Wherever cancer is, Hancock Health will fight. In any part of you and in all corners of East Central Indiana. From Indianapolis to Greenfield to Knightstown to Rushville. From hospital rooms to family rooms, we fight. With technology and medicine. With care backed by the wisdom of Mayo Clinic. For you, for your family, and for your future in Rush County. We fight cancer here. HancockHealth.org slash cancer. Good morning. It is Thursday, February 16th. It is six minutes after nine, and you're listening to the show that you love to hate, or is it the show that you hate to love? Either way, we're glad you're here. Thanks for listening this morning. It is Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. So a study was done in Florida, and they wanted to know how much taxpayer money was being funneled into state-run colleges and universities for programs using critical race theory and DEI. And the survey revealed... millions. (laughs) millions. <laughs> Ron DeSantis was asked by a reporter in West Palm Beach about DEI initiatives, and he said that he initially didn't understand what they were. He said, I thought maybe diversity of ideas. Well, that's not what it is. What it is is trying to enforce a political agenda, and that is something that is not in the best interest of the state. So we're going to play a little audio of Ron DeSantis because Florida is moving to wipe out DEI at public universities. And when we play this audio for you, I want you to compare and contrast because Ron DeSantis is a Republican. Mm -hmm. We are supposedly run in Indiana by a Republican governor and a Republican supermajority in the House and Senate. And when you hear Ron DeSantis speak, because look, the DEI, the SEL, the CRT stuff, we're going to get into later about how, once again, Indiana Republicans have folded on a bill that would ban critical race theory here. I want you to compare and contrast the style and boldness and leadership from Ron DeSantis in addressing a real problem, which at the core of it is indoctrination of young people, be they college students, high school students, uh, elementary students. It's very real. It's happening there. It's happening here. And listen to how he is dealing Mm -hmm. with it versus these absolute cowards that run the state of Indiana. One, um, it wasn't at my direction. I didn't know what DEI was a couple years ago. Uh, as this had taken hold, I mean, it sounds innocuous, right? I thought maybe diversity of ideas, maybe actually have more than one viewpoint. Well, that's not what it is. Uh, what it is is it's trying to enforce a political agenda and a political orthodoxy under the auspices of administration. And, and that is something that, that is not in the best interest of this state. Uh, it's incredibly divisive. <laughs> It's incredibly divisive, and I don't necessarily think anyone that supported this in the past necessarily had bad motives, but I think if you look to see how it's worked in practice, um, it's been an embarrassment to see some of the things that have come out at Florida State, um, at some of these universities here. Uh, It's not an appropriate use of the administrative machinery of a university that, oh, by the way, subsists on the generosity of the taxpayers of the state of Florida. These are not private institutions. They're public institutions, and we have the right uh, who are elected and who are putting people in positions uh, to make sure that those institutions are serving a mission uh, that is consistent with the state's best interests. And so as this has become a problem, uh, I asked to get more information about it. Uh, We got them reporting how much money they're spending on it. We introduced legislation uh, to remedy that, and we will be the first state 
in these United States to wipe out DEI at our public universities. And this is really important, Casey, and we've talked about this many, many times. But the public education system, and this is true across this country, and it is true right here in Indiana, they are deceptive, mm -hmm. they are manipulative, and the at the end of it all, their goal is to indoctrinate your kids to think along the lines that they do. And it is an ever-moving target, as we have seen. It's gone from CRT, well, we're not doing that. We're uh, doing SEL, social-emotional learning. We're not doing social-emotional learning. We're doing diversity, equity, and inclusion. It's all the same stuff. Mm -hmm. You cannot trust the public education system. And Ron DeSantis, even though it is controversial and it is hard mm -hmm. to steal a phrase from Kamala Harris, he is doing the work to wipe these indoctrination factories out of his state. Unlike Republicans here, who just yesterday, once again, got on bended knee and told the angry red-shirted teachers, we're sorry for having ideas, you keep go, go right on ahead and keep indoctrinating these kids and use whatever creative, phony, baloney, bullcrap word you want to describe it, because we're too cowardly to do the right thing. Okay, so you mentioned controversial, and Al Sharpton led a march at the Florida Capitol yesterday to protest this, but Ron DeSantis said that he wants to eliminate what he calls woke ideology in education, and he wants to get a handle on what children learn about race, gender identity, and also history. The chief diversity officer at the University of Florida is paid over $750,000 a year. Seven, how much? $750,000 a year. Uh, Taxpayer money, by the way. It, it, again, and, and I want to get onto Trump and this ballot harvesting mm -hmm. thing because I think Trump's onto something here. Yeah. Uh, but but the reality is this is happening in Indiana. We've proven it on this radio show, and it's just the information that we get. So think about how much it's happening all across the state time and time and time again. And the Republicans here, unlike Ron DeSantis in Florida, are such absolute cowards that they are going to allow your kids minds to continue to be filled with absolute hate filled garbage and your kids are going to continually be taught to feel bad about themselves for absolutely no reason because they don't have the guts to do what's Right. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC, and this sidebar will transition us nicely into talking about Donald Trump. Sarah Palin came out, and she was speaking about Ron DeSantis, and she said that she believes he should stay governor for the time being. He doesn't need to run. She said, I envision him as president someday, just not right now. So the woman who got smoked mm -hmm. when she ran for vice president mm -hmm. and then just got smoked again when she ran for Congress. Yeah, is giving out advice. Yeah, she's going to tell somebody else <laughs> She's going to tell Ron DeSantis run. what to do. You know, do. Casey, there's nothing more offensive than when somebody looks at you and goes, uh, your, your time will come. Yeah. You're, you're just, it's not right now. Not ready. You are an American citizen. And as a, as a as an American citizen, you have the right to run for whatever office you can legally run for whenever you want to run for. That is so offensive to tell somebody, you, you, they're there. And you should I, just stay governor. But not only that, but 
I failed at this, but I'm going to dole out some advice on how you can be successful. Okay. Uh, Donald Trump is running, and his campaign is is examining ways to win over mail-in ballot voting. His staff right now looking at absentee mail-in voting and also ballot harvesting techniques. Hey, if it's good for them, why isn't it good for everyone? Well, this is what Republicans... So, for those of you who don't know, ballot harvesting is basically... That if you have a state that allows the you know the mass mail-in unaccountable voting, that you have the ability to actually get people to vote absentee via the paper ballot or whatever, mm-hmm. and then you can collect those signatures or the, the their ballot and then return them to a required location, right? So you don't have to send your own ballot in. You can have someone do air quote the work for you. Now, obviously, that is open to all sorts of fraudulent behavior, all sorts of ballots that are not legitimately cast. It totally shouldn't be allowed. But the reality is that in many states in the union, ballot harvesting is totally a thing. And Republicans, instead of fighting it because the courts are going to allow it, should just get on board with it Mm -hmm. and start playing the game. and, and, And they have yet to embrace that. And now Trump is coming out and saying, look, it's wrong. Mm-hmm. It's cost us multiple elections now, but it's a thing. And it's like saying in football, uh, I don't like that the other team can pass the football. I don't like passing being a rule. So we're just going to run the ball every play. Well, that's stupid because the other team is going to throw the football. And if the other team knows you're not going to throw the football, then they're just going to stop your, they're going to put 11 guys in the box and stop the run every time. Mm-hmm. Republicans need to get on board with this until a court somewhere says you got to get out of board with it. Okay, so Trump was kind of critical about this, but he's now turning around saying, you know what? We're focusing too much on Election Day turnout because Republicans have always fared very well on Election Day. However, Democrats taking full advantage of ballot harvesting and mail-in ballots. So now he's saying, you know what? If they're going to do it, why shouldn't we? He said our path forward is to master the Democrats' own game of harvesting ballots in every state we can. But that also means that we need to start laying the foundation for victory right now. Roughly 60% of Democrats voted by mail in 2020 compared to 30% of Republicans. All right, Casey, question for you because yeah. it's half your show. Mm-hmm. When we come back, yes. two very big local topics we can discuss. Mm-hmm. I will let you pick. Do you want to talk about there finally being a uh, hearing on a marijuana bill, mm-hmm. but our state is in the infinite wizards of smart slash intellectual giants who run the state said we're going to waste everyone's time and hear this bill but there's no chance we'll vote on it. So we're going to talk about the big nothing. Or do we want to talk about Diego hiring his (laughs) brother-in-law? I mean I feel like these are are epically big stories. Right. They're both wholly ridiculous on the same level Mm -hmm. but I'm going to let you pick when we come back. All right, it's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Make me feel like I'm living he is the best producer ever. Kevin getting accolades this morning. It's one of the 10 greatest songs ever written. You gave Kevin like 10 seconds yeah. to come up with this song, and he was on it. Thank you, Kevin. 21 minutes after 9, it is Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Trending this morning, Orlando Bloom talking about his life with Katy Perry. Oh, yeah. He said, there's never a dull moment. 
Can you imagine being with Katy Perry? Probably never is a dull moment. He said sometimes things are really, really, really challenging. Oh. That was three reallys, Rob. <laughs> also joining this. You know, <laughs> you know, here's the thing, Case. Yeah. Um, you know, and I say this as a man, that if you choose, because they're married, right? Are they married? Like are they? Are they? I know they engaged. have engaged. Okay, but they have a, they have a child together. Mm-hmm. They are they are at They're least perpetually about to get married. Okay, so if you choose, if you have a child and you're engaged and they live together, mm-hmm. you have chosen to enter into that all encompassing situation, right? Mm-hmm. Like no one held a gun to his head and made him choose to do those things: have the child, engaged, live together. The Katy Perry track record, (laughs) and I say this as someone who was once upon a time a very big Katy Perry admirer. Mm -hmm. I've told you about the the story many times about how in 2007 I was at the Vogue and Mm -hmm. it was probably, I don't know, 2.30 in the morning and I might have been seeing three of everything and (laughs) I Kissed a Girl came on the the video monitors they had and it was like the the scene in the movies where Dreamweaver starts playing and everything stops around me and the light shines on. I say this to someone who was once upon a time a very big Katy Perry, big Katy Perry fan. You kind of know based on her music, which Mm -hmm. is basically kind of her life story. What you're getting into? She's a raving lunatic. (laughs) And so... (laughs) While no one is necessarily blaming him for entering into that military operation, you shouldn't really be surprised. Like, when the U.S. soldiers got to the beaches at Normandy, they didn't say, well, what the hell? (laughs) What's going on here? There's a lot of high-powered weaponry firing at us. They knew what they were getting into, and they did the job. Mm -hmm. Orlando Bloom knew what he was getting into. He should not act surprised. Kevin, here's a piece of advice for you. Some juice, not worth the squeeze. (laughs) (laughs) Also trending this morning, fellas from the World Series of Poker. Jeffrey Farns was caught on a hot mic telling a Canadian poker player about how he regrets getting the vaccine and is now experiencing chest pains. The Canadian said that... He got the vaccine to enter the United States so he could play in the World Series of Poker. I wish I would have never got the vaccine. I mean, What's that? I wish I never would have got the vaccine. I never did. I've uh, been having chest pain ever since ago. I had that thing. Really? Yeah. Still, you're still having it? Yeah, every time to time. Oh, and they're saying that you get uh, hard arteries. And yeah, yeah, yeah. So I need to go get it checked oh, out. But, I mean, but ever since, dude, it's just... That's horrible. Been weird. I held out. I held out until like a month ago. Not even a month ago. Oh, is that right? Why did you decide to get it then? I don't want to come play the World Series. Well, they didn't have that guideline list right now. Pardon me? They didn't have that. As a foreigner, you can't get into West. Uh, Brian Kim also. So, by the way, the Canadian that you just heard there talking about how he got the vaccine to enter the United States has won nearly $2 million playing poker. Well, isn't it interesting, right? Because we've had this conversation before numerous times that you had to do it in order Mm -hmm. to keep a job. Yep. I had to make a very difficult choice and ultimately decided not to do it at the risk of losing a job. And that really sucks that people feel compelled to do something that we are now starting to understand may have been incredibly harmful to certain people Mm -hmm. because they wanted to earn a living. Yeah. And that's not the way things should be. 
Finally trending is the Conrad in Indianapolis. Forbes Travel Guide has released their 23 star awards and they named the Conrad as a recommended hotel in a list of almost 2,000 properties. The Conrad in Indianapolis was the only property in Indiana to receive that distinction. Are you a hotel snob? What do you mean by that? Like, do you need fancy hotels when you go places? No, I don't. But I think that somebody should create an app, and maybe there's one that's already out there, where it says the last time the hotel was updated. Oh, you mean like re- renovations, repairs, renovations, yes. whatever? Yeah, because that would determine maybe where I would go. Yeah. Not so much price. <laughs> if all things being equal, if all the rooms are the same price, I want to go to the one that's been renovated recently. Okay, uh, Casey, when we come back, mm-hmm. we have two very important local topics. Yep. They're very fitting. I've that made we're gonna, my choice. We're going to pair them together. Okay. We'll do them both. Okay. Uh, we're going to talk about weed. Okay. And we're going to talk about Diego. All right. Let's pair them together. All right. It's Kendall and Casey. It's 93 WIBC. Good morning. It's the time of the season when love runs high. 931, it's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. So Indiana lawmakers held a hearing on marijuana decriminalization. They did that yesterday, but that's about the extent of it. (laughs) These people are just, they're just the most pathetic, worst people. Let's have a hearing on it, but not do anything. That's what's happening. So so obviously, and we have talked about this many times, where there is a cavalcade of support for at the very least medical marijuana in the state of Indiana. Like, I mean, it's not even close. It's in the 80% level of people who say, yes, if you are an ALS patient or a cancer patient or someone Mm -hmm. with PTSD, you should not be forced to suffer taking dangerous, addictive opioids in order to have some sort of pain relief. And in polling after poll after poll also shows that recreational marijuana is is also supported by the majority of the people in the state of Indiana. But I think the conversation from most people has just been, look, let's enable the people who need the help the most to get it, and then we'll deal with the recreational side. I mean, it's ridiculous we can't deal with all of it, but at the very least, let's not wait another day that if someone under a doctor's supervision, mm-hmm. someone who is licensed by the state of Indiana to practice and uh, provide medical care to people, that those people should be able to get the the help that they need. But these clowns, and that's what they are. Look, if you keep someone from getting medical help, which is what you're doing, you're a clown. You are a, a very terrible, unserious, disingenuous clown. These clowns, because they know what the polling is, want to act like they're interested in doing something, when in reality, people like Wendy McNamara, who is the committee head, Mm -hmm. the Courts and Criminal Code Committee Chair, who held this hearing, are so beholden and subservient and, quite frankly, petrified of Eric Holcomb, who has said, because his big pharma buddies don't want legal, legal medical marijuana, that instead of standing up to him and saying, we're doing this, we're going to legalize it, they've said, the legislature said multiple times, there are the, there is the votes to do it. They're just scared of Holcomb. She has a hearing on the bill, mm-hmm. and then, according to Star, here's her direct quote. We haven't had this conversation. 
I think we needed to have this conversation <laughs> while at the same time telling everyone we're absolutely, no matter what comes out of this hearing, not going to vote on it. So that's, you know, I'm going to listen to you, but I'm not going to be open to what you're saying. I'll hear you, but it doesn't matter. That's pretty much what they're saying. So under the current law, possession of less than 30 grams or about an ounce is a misdemeanor, and it's a felony to possess more than that if you have a prior drug conviction. So under this House Bill 1297... The threshold for a misdemeanor would be possession of between two and four ounces. So we're just inching along to legalize. But it doesn't matter because they said they're not going to do anything with this bill anyway. They're not going to pass it. They're just going to talk about it. Let's talk about it and then throw it in the trash. You, You know what this is, Casey? It's very similar to the exact same thing they did or are doing or might do. Who knows? I guess you'll find out in April with property taxes, right? Mm -hmm. So they have this hearing and then they throw this 65 page bill it's like throwing you know fish at the at the the animals in the ocean right just enough fish to keep you happy and preoccupied and then thompson the head of ways and means comes out and goes yeah this really doesn't matter because obviously i'm paraphrasing here we're going to uh it's gonna change a whole bunch and uh we'll let you know sometime in april when uh, we come up with something like right before the session ends so you have no time to offer feedback on whatever scheme scam or awful thing that they come up with and, mm-hmm. and it's just these people who represent us in the state are just so often the absolute worst of everything people are suffering people are hurting people are dying there is no reason i mean there's no reason to deny not to say that kev would ever do this but if kev in his garage while he's practicing his drums mm-hmm. wants to smoke a J or consume an edible or whatever he wants to do as long as he's not harming nobody what the hell business is that of, of of yours? But certainly the people who are terminally ill, Casey, mm-hmm. who are sick and suffering mm-hmm. to deny them any sort of peaceful existence and say, good luck with your opioids. Right. Here's a, here's a pill. While at the same time, the state spends tens of millions of dollars every single year of our money because they acknowledge, acknowledge, well, hey, these opioids are really dangerous and they're killing people and people are getting addicted to them on the regular. It is just so screwed up. And these legislators legislators are just horrific people. Okay, so this is the first of at least 10 bills that have been filed this session related to marijuana. But last year, they had 13 bills, and all of them died in the House. None of them went far. And you had mentioned polling. So Gallup poll says that Americans believe that 68% of them say that it should be legal. And let's go here to that's Indiana. An, and that's, and is that in all, that's in all circumstances. That's across right. the country. That's medicinal. That's recreational. That's everything. 68%, and that's across the country. Here in Indiana, Ball State did a survey, and they found out that 85% of Hoosiers support some form of legalizing cannabis. Right, so that's what we said. Can you imagine any other time? This is how beholden... So our lawmakers are beholden to really two entities, right? There's two equations here. You have Holcomb, who is beholden to his big pharma buddies. And go look at how much money Big Pharma has written to Eric Holcomb. That's one side of the equation, which is why he's come out and said, no, I'm not legalizing it no matter what. You can just sit there and be sick and suffer and in pain. And then you have the legislature who is so petrified of ending up like Curtis Hill, who has said, well, yeah, there's the votes here to do this, and we know what's right. 
There's the votes to do it. We know what's right. But we are so afraid of going against the governor because we know what happens to people who openly go against the governor that you can also sit here and be sick and suffer. Mm -hmm. Well, later in the show, we're going to speak with Jim Merritt and we talk about this and how all of the surrounding states are all doing something with it. But Indiana just dragging their heels. 938. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Let's talk about one of your favorite dudes, Secretary of State Diego Morales. He has hired someone. It's all in the family, kids. He hired his brother-in-law to help lead a division within the Secretary of State office. And can I get to the kicker? Can I do it? Yeah, absolutely. Let me let me get yeah, to the kicker. It'll be better if it comes from you. Right. This is like we're going to bury we're not going to bury the headline in this story. So the Secretary of State has hired his brother-in-law with a six-figure salary. Yeah. Okay, so Indy Star broke the story. Good reporting by them. Um, his brother-in-law is listed, according to them, as what is his actual job description. It is uh, he is listed as a describe. They described him as a sales consultant mm-hmm. at a car dealership. So I would guess that would mean. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. He's a car salesman, mm-hmm. right? I mean, is that fair to assume that a sales Consultant, he helps with sales mm-hmm. in some capacity mm-hmm. of cars, whether it's directly selling or advising people how to sell or whatever. Okay, he is now getting, as you said, Casey, a six-figure salary mm-hmm. to be the co-director of the auto dealer services division, which is overseen by the Secretary of State's office. Yes. Yes. Okay. So, full disclosure. I had a conversation with Micah last night because when I seek advice, Micah is one of the people I often talk to, and I sought Micah's advice because Micah is very good at helping me deal with things in a productive, effective <laughs> manner. And I'm, I glad said, you, I'm glad you have someone like that in your life. And I said, Micah, and we talked on the phone last night, I said, how do I address this? Because the rage that I feel mm-hmm. right now because I warned everyone what this guy was. We talked about how the paperwork showed he was fired by Todd Rokita from the office. We talked about how the paperwork showed he was about to be fired again from this office by Charlie White before he quit. We talked about no idea what this guy actually does for a job. I mean, it's a litany of things. Obviously, the big one is how do you legally vote in a county different from where you were taking a homestead credit and the county you were voting in just happened to be a county you were running for Congress in while the other county was not in the district you were running for Congress. I mean, we talked about all those things. Well, and how he flip-flopped during the convention on his relationship with Eric Holcomb. Yes, and and how then, you know, the early voting thing was the crux of his campaign. And then Mm -hmm. as soon as he got the nomination, he backed out of that. And nothing, clearly on the election outside of the people in our listening area and even in the sense in our listening area nothing seemed to resonate with how unqualified this person was for the position so i said my default is humorous name calling Mm -hmm. is my default on people like this who again i see as unqualified clowns but I want to do something that is going to resonate with people, and maybe let's try a new approach. Okay. And Mike and I talked about this for, for quite a while, and, and so here is, I'm not going to get into the details of our conversation, but I'm going to try a new approach with this, okay, Casey? You're and not going to call him the cowardly I'm lion? I'm not going to call Diego a name. I'm, I'm going to try this, because this is serious stuff, right? The Secretary of State 
next to the governor is the most impor- important office, statewide office in the state of Indiana because of the wide swath of things it controls. Mm-hmm. They, from elections to uh, business licensure mm-hmm. at all points in between. Is this the sort of leadership that we expect or are willing to accept from the second most important office in the state of Indiana in which one of the first moves a guy makes is to hire his brother-in-law to a six-figure salary to be a co-director of a very important division of state government, which is auto dealer services. Mm -hmm. Is that what you're willing to accept? I don't care how Republican you are or how much you fear a Democrat or how much red over everything else is your creed, motto, whatever. Is this really what are you are you that red are you that republican are you that meaningless letter that you you will even defend this so he is married to the 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 brother-in-law obviously is married to morales's sister okay so technically this doesn't violate the state's nepotism law and they they define a family member as spouse, parent, child, brother, sister, stepbrother, stepsister, niece, nephew, aunt, uncle, daughter-in-law, son-in-law. Yeah, but, but brother-in-law, brother-in-law, nowhere on the list. But, but Casey, the optics, I know what you're saying. The optics are awful on this. I mean, it's like something out of a sitcom, right? Bumbling, incompetent politician hires brother-in-law brother-in-law right i mean it's like it is like literally the indiana general assembly and the many of our our state office holders are like sitcom characters mm-hmm. at this point and according to indy star this dude got the job offer nine days after diego was sworn in oh wow so i Di- didn't see that part diego's nine. i mean again it's priorities right yeah diego it's just like the 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 indiana general assembly is doing nothing to help you with property taxes even though they know you're about to pay out the ass this May, but getting illegal immigrants' driver's licenses passed out of a committee. I mean, it's priorities, right? So Diego's first priority, he ran on all these big things he was going to do with elections and voting and blah, 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 blah. No, his big priority is making sure my Mm brother-in-law, who was, what did they call him? What did Indy Star describe him as? A sales consultant? I mean, that's a pretty, it's an amazing leap, Casey, to go from sales consultant to running or at least co-running mm-hmm. an entire division, right? But look, for the entire state. I, you, you, me, and Kev, our conscience are clear on this because we didn't, we didn't bend, kneel at the altar of Republicanism for a guy who we knew what he was. The the people that have to be asking themselves, and that's why I'm trying to find a more respectful way to get this point across, is is this the sort of leadership you are willing to accept or you think you deserve that a guy who gets the second most important office in the state of Indiana, one of his very first actions is to make his brother-in-law a six-figure salaried, very high-ranking state Mm -hmm. official. Well, it definitely raises questions about whether his brother-in-law got special treatment because it certainly looks that way. And this is another example of you're either in the club or you're not. 
And once you're in the club, you can bring whoever you want into the club. Give them the password, the secret handshake, and all is well for them. But if you're not in the club, forget it. Yeah. Forget you. And I will continue to ask the question, and maybe um, somebody can ask Diego this the next time they see him. Obviously, we're never going to get the opportunity. How do you legally cast a vote in a county different from where you are taking your homestead credit. Since Diego oversees elections in the state of Indiana, this should be a very simple question, and he should not be able to use the words, that's already been fully vetted. Well, then vet it for us again. Thank you. You're listening to Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Let's see what you did there. That's clever, Kev. It is 10 minutes in front of 10. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. You ready to talk about Lana Del Rey? Yes. Okay, so she unveiled A and W. And while I can't say what the W stands for, it rhymes with door. Starts with a W and it rhymes with door. And it is about uh, a woman who may have had many a gentleman caller in her day. I think that's a pretty good description, right? Yep. Okay, so this is a seven-minute song, and it is about femininity, uh-huh. sexuality, oh, sure. criticism, uh-huh. and as Lana Del Rey puts it, the experience of being an American door. Yes. Basically, she <laughs> wrote a song about mm-hmm. banging a lot of dudes, which okay. she has done in her life. That is, <laughs> that's that, one way of putting she, it. She cops to all... The men mm-hmm. that she has been with. Now, I will say this. Yeah. Lana Del Rey, two, two things. One, Lana Del Rey uh, is my wife's favorite artist. So I changed my tune on this once she listened to it because it just came out mm-hmm. and explained it to me. Okay. And the second thing is, Lana Del Rey had a very brief fling of the many flings she has apparently had mm-hmm. based on this song with Sean Sticks Larkin, mm-hmm. who is on one of my favorite shows, On Patrol Live. He's right. a member of the Tulsa Police Department. So uh, kind of worlds colliding here for me. Okay, so we're gonna we're going to preview this song. Song here yes. in just a second. We've got a little clip of it. But the first verse, it's almost like two songs because it's a seven-minute song. Yes. There's a first half and a second half. And the first half, she talks about what an American door yes. is. Mm-hmm. And the second verse, she questions if she's like a character in the 2015 movie, The Diary of a Teenage Girl. Yes. And that movie was a film about a 15-year-old girl who began having an affair with her mother's boyfriend. Yes. So, Lana, I'm going to read you without, I'm going to change some words here so I can keep my <laughs> job here, but I'm going to read you a little bit of the uh, lyrics to this uh, award winner. Um, Call him up, come into my bedroom, we end up on the floor, on the hotel floor, there was a word in there. I can't say it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not about having someone to love me anymore. This is the experience of being an American door. <laughs> and so, what was what the reason I want to do this as a topic is? She's very popular, mm-hmm. right? Especially amongst women, younger women. She's a very popular artist. Very, you know, albums, tours, whatever. And it is interesting that. This sort of music is what is endearing 
to younger women in which the artists themselves, it's not like a song like you might have heard from an artist in the 1970s about their inner pain or their love for someone else or, you know, triumphs or tragedies or whatever. Mm -hmm. This is now this person saying, here was my promiscuous lifestyle Mm -hmm. and I'm going to put this out into the ether for everyone to consume because I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not, there would have been a time where you would have been like ashamed to put that out there. Sure. But now this is what is endearing to people and, and sharing it. So I asked my wife, I said, listen to this and explain why this is a thing. And she said for a lot of younger women, especially in a song like this, Lana Del Rey is saying the tragedies that I had of my youth, which she had serious, you know, alcoholism. I think she was in abusive relationships. These are the things that led me to this behavior. And it is almost a reflective don't be like me mm-hmm. sort of anthem. So her loneliness of having all of these issues is what led to her promiscuous life. Yes. It was caused by trauma. It's almost like she was looking to fill a void, looking for validation and turn towards men to get it. So to me, that almost says uh, trauma or abuse aside that she she didn't trust herself, yeah. her own judgment. Yeah, and uh, here, look, uh, Kev, do we have a little bit of this um, lyrical masterpiece? Yeah. It's safe for radio? Yep. Yes, go ahead. Mm-hmm. I like her voice. It's a very haunting song, very uh, melodic. Now, that was from the first verse, wasn't it, Kevin? Yeah. Yeah, because the, I, the second part of the song picks up tempo and becomes just a little bit more poppy yeah. and a little bit more mainstream. But isn't it interesting that that is what people are putting out into the ether mm-hmm. now? And regardless of why you're doing it, it's not about your you know, love for someone anymore or anything. It's like, look, I have lived my life as this. And I am now essentially, I guess, basically like lonely and miserable. Don't and do as don't I did. Don't be like me. Don't do as I did. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Good morning. But I keep on waiting. I'm just for that soft voice to talk to me.